podcast produced by students of the Institute for Media and Communication Studies at the Free University Berlin. My name is Polina and together with my partner Isha, we are excited to welcome Alexander Polivanov as our guest today. Alexander is a journalist, editor and podcaster from Russia. After the beginning of Russia's full-scale invasion in Ukraine in February 2022, Alexander has been working on a new project called Helpdesk Media a combination of a news outlet and a hotline providing help for people affected by the war. Today we are going to talk about Russian exile journalism, fighting propaganda, the platform and format choices of helpdesk media and journalistic impartiality. Alexander, we are happy to welcome you at EastCast. Hi, hello everybody. I'm also happy to be here. Nice to meet you. Hi, okay, Alexander, welcome again. Um, as we already said in the introduction, this podcast is going to be about media and um, your work at the help desk. But before we dive deeper into this interesting work, could you maybe quickly summarize the media landscape in Russia for the listeners who do not know much about that? It's a quite complicated question and we can uh, talk about it like, you know, one hour, two hours or the whole day. But let's do it as short as possible. In Russia, landscape of media is covered by propaganda and it's worse and worse. When we were in 2014, we, we thought that, uh, okay, nothing more is possible. Uh, propaganda is everywhere. Now we think, okay, now it's a bottom line, but uh, who knows? Uh, maybe in two or three years, we will, we will still think that nowadays it's more or less uh, free. <laughs> When the war, full escalation war, started 24th of February, a lot of people fled to other countries, uh, Georgia, Turkey, Baltic states, Poland, uh, Germany, and started to do uh, their own small media. And there are a lot of them, a lot of small medias, and they do really great work, especially when you think that they are not in Russia right now, so but they still manage to have sources and to have uh, correspondence on some sites and trying to do uh, very good quality journalism, you know, not anti-propaganda, which is propaganda itself. So I could name Holod, Vajny Story, Vyorstka, Chirta, in some cases help desk media. Ten years ago, there was like big independent medias uh, still in Russia. Right now, doesn't exist. Maybe Meduza is one of the examples of big and independent media, but it's uh, the only one. Okay, thank you. Um, you already quite have mentioned it uh, when you were already talking about uh, anti-propaganda um, journalism, but maybe a bit more uh, into depth. Could you describe in your thoughts how a journalist can work uh, against this strictly controlled media landscape? I don't know the rule for everybody, but we have some thoughts in help desk media and we think it's quite, uh, quite reasonable. So I would like to say about me and about our work, not about the whole landscape. We think that when you try to fight propaganda, you're in losing position because it's a defensive position. For us, uh, the important thing is not to fight propaganda itself, 
but to do stories about Ukrainian people, about people who suffered from the war as a journalist pieces of content. And that itself is fighting propaganda. So we are not following uh, Russian uh, propaganda. We do like our normal work and we think and we know that it's true when people read our stories or watch our reels on Instagram. They understand that propaganda narratives are false, but we don't fight propaganda. So Okay, thank you. That's actually really interesting. So um, yeah, what you're actually saying is that you don't really fight propaganda, but you just perform like a real uh, authentic news media to show the people uh, real news. Um, but how you are working from outside the country, how do you get to the reporting? And maybe more importantly, uh, how do you get to the people inside Russia, inside the country, if you're not in the country? It's a tough question. And of course, if we would have an opportunity to be in Russia, uh, it would be better for all and for journalism itself, of course. Uh, but I would say we have some answers. Uh, the first answer is uh, that when you cover what's happening in Ukraine, you really need people in Ukraine, but not in Russia. So if you would like to tell stories about Ukrainian people and what Russian army does in Ukrainian territories, you need people in Ukraine. And we are quite good in it because from the very beginning we decided that our team will be fooled with people with Russian background and also with Ukrainian background and they work together. Uh, that's the first answer. The second answer is that we have a lot of readers in Russia and they are very good in reporting something. When something happens in Kursk, Belgorod or uh, another city, we could just ask in Instagram or Telegram people who are there to send out photos or some thoughts or something. And the third answer is that we have a very good and experienced fact-check team. And that's extremely important in modern world when we have propaganda on one side. Uh, a lot of people who are not intentionally tell you not truth because they're in a trauma. And it's uh, understandable in terms when your life is in danger and you need to apply for some kind of visa. Uh, and, and it's very huge plus to have your story published. So you're unintentionally lying uh, about some details so we need a fact check team we really pay attention on it and we have uh, russian background fact checkers and ukrainian background fact checkers and they work also together and it's complicated work because from their past experience they worked with uh, documents with uh, some basis archives and so on and nowadays they need to fact check like is it possible that these people was uh, on kramatorsk july 13 at uh, 9 o'clock so let's check all the social media about him or her and so on so on so it's it's complicated interesting and intriguing a lot of people are ready to share their thoughts or talk with us uh, on an anonymity basis it's completely understandable but it's difficult for us and difficult for readers to trust stories on an anonymity basis so that's why fact checking is extremely important we need to be 100 or 95 percent sure that it's a real story yeah 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 thank you for that um, and I think that's also a bit linked to the other question I wanted to uh, ask you, because I was wondering, um, you were already telling that a lot of people uh, want to uh, share their story anonymously. 
um, a part of your team is also working anonymously. You are one of the uh, four that actually has shared the, their names. Uh, to what extent is there a risk to the work that you are doing with the help desk and to the people collaborating in that? There are two answers on that question. The first answer for Russian background people, and they are afraid that our organization will be punished by Russian government with some laws like foreign agency, extremist organization, and so on. If it's so, it's dangerous for Russian people to have connections with that type of organizations. Even if you don't live in Russia, you have relatives in Russia and police can search their homes. And if you have some uh, real estate or something, it's quite dangerous. So they decided not to link uh, openly with the help desk media. And the answer for Ukrainian background people is that most of our Ukrainian team is still in Ukraine, in Kiev, Odessa. And uh, for them, for Ukrainian society, uh, now it's a bit complicated to work together with Russians. So they think their friends or their society will not understand working with Russians right now. And it's also understandable. And that's why we allow them to be anonymous. And we try to explain our readers and uh, our critics also the reasons of that. What I find really special about Helpdesk Media is that it's a social media-based news outlet. Could you maybe expand on that? For example, why is Instagram the main platform where you publish the news? Also about the content, your Instagram and Telegram contents aren't fully overcrossing. Why do they differ and what are these choices based on? And in general, how, in your opinion, do social media allow for the new reporting and storytelling formats in journalism? When, when we were thinking about new media outlet, we understood that we need to be very fast because, uh, uh, you know, everything uh, changes uh, quickly. We need to be right now, to start right now. And the easiest way to start right now is to make a uh, social media platform-based uh, media. And then uh, also the second thing is that uh, we would like to address for many Russian language people, for all of them, but a lot of them still are in Russia. And if we launch a website, it will be fastly blocked in Russia. And it's really difficult to reach audience with a blocked website. Still, there are some possibilities, but when you're a new platform and it's blocked in a week, it's difficult. So we decided to go first uh, on Instagram and Telegram. Actually, right now we're launching a mobile application. It will be ready in a two or three weeks, I think in the middle of February. So we move to another platform. So we would not like to stop only on Instagram and Telegram. We launched uh, Telegram and uh, Instagram, and we understood that uh, we need to be natural on the platforms. And uh, Instagram and Telegram are different types of uh, platforms. Instagram is more about emotions. And if we want to be uh, successful on Instagram, we need to give voices to people to talk their stories by themselves and uh, the main thing we want to do in instagram it's to for our readers to feel the hell of the war the awful things uh, what happens during the war and telegram it's completely different in telegram people share posts that are useful for them 
So more or less instructions and some hot news about uh, hot topics like mobilization in Russia. So in Telegram, we try to be useful and to answer the question how to live in modern world with a war. So in Instagram, we describe people who suffered from the war. And in Telegram, we answer the question how to live and uh, in Instagram, we have uh, a lot of Ukrainian viewers and readers. That's also because uh, Instagram is blocked in Russia. And in Telegram, we mostly have Russian audience. That's why the two platforms are different. Our goal is uh, to unite our audience in mobile app. Mm, really interesting. Thank you. Um, in the first uh, part, we talked about uh, not fighting propaganda, but um, actually just uh, proposing or showing real news media and a real outlet. Um, that's what Helpdesk is doing. Uh, with Helpdesk, you also have like a real Helpdesk service where people can ask questions. Uh, I think this is also a version of uh, sharing real news and um, maybe fighting propaganda in that sense. Could you maybe describe a bit more about that? It's a great story for us. So I have also only media experience in my background, so I don't really know how to do services like uh, uh, hotlines and when I see how my colleagues do it I'm really glad to be a part of this team because uh, as I see as I know they really help some people in a lot of different questions uh, the most common question in help desk media is how to move from Russia so a lot of questions from people uh, who are trying to move another thing is psychological help or even not help, but uh, people just need to talk. And they have uh, no trusted uh, sources to talk with. So uh, people find a place where they just talk about their situation. And we also help with this. We have also psychological line, exact people with uh, psychological background and education help people. Of course, we cannot take all of people in the world with a psychological help, but we have some uh, one hour or one hour and a half sessions. And after that, we recommend some another psychological lines. Of course, a lot of people came to us on September and October asking how to avoid mobilization in Russia. It were very, very popular theme. And we are now experts in that, both in laws and how practically it works and so on. When you read news right now, you can feel that maybe another wave of mobilization is coming. So we are quite prepared for it. And we, we have feeling that a lot of questions will be asked in a, in a few weeks about mobilization. Unfortunately, we have uh, not a lot of uh, Ukrainian people who address help desk media. It's also understandable because uh, you have to trust organization you share your life or your problems with. And uh, for Ukrainian people, it it's a bit suspicious that we are only in Russian. We have uh, volunteers who answer questions in Ukrainian, but as a media, we are only in Russian. But still, we have some uh, uh, some people who asked us about help. Uh, Ukrainian people who are in Russia right now, and they asked us about help, and we help with uh, going outside Russia. And also having this... Uh, service part of our work also helped uh, helps us with covering some stories 
because we really feel what people are asking, what they are interested in. In some cases, uh, people who addresses our service then be, become hearers of our stories. And we, of course, first ask, do they want to talk with a journalist? And if they do, we do a journalistic material based on uh, stories we we found. It's really interesting to to hear uh, your thoughts about that. And it's it's so special and intriguing and beautiful that you're able to personally uh, help people that are uh, struggling in that sense. And I think that's um, for some people that are in uh, other countries, it's it's maybe not even imaginable that you need a help desk for that. So therefore, it's really interesting to hear um, your um, yeah your your thoughts about that. Another question I wanted to ask you is, um, how do you combine the bo- both services in journalism and help desk itself? So idea is quite simple. If we have success media who can find a lot of readers, and uh, so. A lot of people will know that we have service site. And if we do a great journalistic job, it's shared by tens of thousands. And they know that there is a help desk media service which helps. Okay, maybe I, I should try it. And another thing uh, that, as I said, to know exactly what people are thinking and what they, what their problems are, is to ask themselves directly. So it's a, a, like two heads of our company, but they are in connection. If we have success media, we have success service. If we have success service, we hope we will have, and we have success media. So because you're combining the two formats, you're combining the news reporting and the hotline services, that makes your media really personal, really emotional in a way. So where is the borderline between being neutral and objective versus being emotional and personally involved? And is this something that Helpdesk Media has specific guidelines for, for example? And in general, do you think there is still a place in Russian journalism for impartiality? Yeah, thank you for this question. It's the thing we are talking about literally every day. So it's it's very important for us. But um, what we decided first before launching media, that we have some basic rules. Some of them are following. We are not neutral media because we started, we launched during the war and we are against Russian uh, government and again, Russian war machine, and against the war itself. First, then, we think that Russian government sources are not trusted. So if they say something for us, it's not trusted source. That's important thing when we think about uh, fighting propaganda. So if we think them as an untrusted source, we don't pay attention to them. Uh, the third thing is that when, when you uh, start to tell stories about uh, about people who suffered from the war, you don't be able to be neutral. It's just impossible thing. It's not uh, not natural, and that's why we decided to minimize the voice of journalists in our stories and maximize the voice of people we uh, we interview so 
in some cases, it's uh, monologues of people who suffered from the war, and they say for themselves, we just need to fact-check them properly. And our goal is to give a voice to people who usually government don't pay attention to them, and they like to say something about macro politics, geopolitics, and uh, but behind the politics there are people, and we need to uh, give them voice to to describe the situation. So, of course, it's a hard question for 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 journalists to be or not to be neutral. We are not neutral, of course. We uh, and we don't trust Russian government and Russian politics and. We think that war will be stopped only if Putin is gone uh, in some way. And that's, uh, that is written on our website. So it's not, we, we, we don't uh, hire our position. So yeah, that's it. I think it's, uh, it's honest and uh, it also helps us uh, with, uh, it attracts more trolls. When we say directly we are against Russian uh, uh, Russian government, it's more honest and more easy. Uh, and it's also easy to block them. <laughs> I have one last question that comes to me spontaneously right now. So all independent Russian-speaking media are right now mostly involved in the war reporting. But the thing about help desk media is that it focuses on it entirely. There is no other topics that help desk is covering. Do you ever in your team talk about what happens after the war? Are there any plans or are you just living in the moment and working on what is really important right now? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, we don't think a lot about what will happen after. But we all agree that, uh, okay, the goal of our media and the, the service itself is to help people who suffered from the war. And even if uh, war and tomorrow the people who suffered from the war still still there and i think we have uh, one year two years or even more to uh, to help so if after this one year or two years or sometime uh, we will be useless it's great right it's it's, it's uh, our dream actually and okay we'll do something else as a team or independent uh, journalists. I think we will find a nice place to work and especially with this uh, background. Uh, so really I don't think uh, I don't think a lot about uh, about future and it's it's so unclear and actually the war didn't end tomorrow and uh, as, as as we know all unfortunately. Okay. Well, Alexander, thank you so much for this conversation. I think, unfortunately, our time is slowly running to an end. Is there something you uh, missed or you want to add uh, to our listeners? Yeah, two things, uh, probably. First thing is uh, that I'm deeply sorry for my English. Usually on evenings, it's much better than in the, in the mornings. So, you know, I hope you can still understand something from my words. And the second thing is that uh, if you think about, uh, it's complicated, but still, uh, if you think about uh, 
pluses of this situation or for for myself uh, for so it's a big uh, big huge experience and a big honor to uh, to work together with ukrainian journalists right now to make one thing uh, with two backgrounds and to make all the mat- materials all the editor decisions together it's Honestly, it's very interesting and it's uh, very, uh, for me, it's a big experience and I'm happy to have this experience. And I think after all, war ends and so on, I will be another another person, more, more experienced and more understand more about journalism and about uh, itself. So uh, it's for, for us, it's also a big challenge because it takes time to to make all the positions clear and we discuss a lot of our topics a lot of a lot of work together and it takes time but it's really priceless and i'm super glad that we are able to do it together that's uh, that's a huge thing thank you i think it's beautiful to end with this um very inspiring and your personal uh, motivation uh, and, and I think, um, yeah, it's really nice for our listeners to hear that there is a very personal uh, experience and growth in this as well. And that you're able to um, yeah, help a lot of people, which is really special. And thank you for that. Um, but also that it's very important and special uh, experience for yourself. Uh, so thank you so much for taking part in our podcast and sharing your insights and thoughts. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I was... Uh really glad to talk about my work it's also it's quite a privilege of uh, journalism it's to talking about uh, themselves <laughs> thank you so much alexander okay guys thank you so much for listening this was eastcast you will find us on all the main podcast platforms bye thank you bye bye